everybody. Welcome back to All Bark No Dice. This is Dan, and I'm here with Jay from Possum Creek Games to talk about Wander Home and Jay's work with all kinds of uh, games on the indie RPG scene. Um, and well, first of all, thanks for coming on the show, Jay. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, and the most recent release from from Possum Creek, the most, your most recent release as a writer, is mm-hmm. is Wander Home, um, mm-hmm. which is a which was a really big success story um, as an indie RPG, doing really well on on, on Kickstarter and getting a lot of press. Mm-hmm. Um, and despite you know not being a a D and D property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I want to talk about that, you know, but before we get there, I do want to talk about how we get there in the first place, how you get from, you know, starting out to publishing an you know, RPG and all this stuff out. And I'm wondering where you started out with RPGs. Yeah. So I actually got started. Um, I uh, first got introduced to the idea of like role playing. Uh, like in kind of any way beyond like kids on the schoolyard kind of energy or like online forums, I really kind of discovered it um, at my local summer camp, which was uh, a uh, called the Wayfinder Experience. It's a live action role play summer camp for teens. Uh, that's where amazing. I learned that it rules. <laughs> it absolutely rules. Uh, it's where I learned that I was trans, and it's also where I learned how to LARP. Um, the wonderful Brendan Lee Mulligan taught me how to write games. Um, and then, yeah, that's my, that's my little, that's my little celebrity brag moment. (laughs) Um, I'm allowed, I'm allowed one. Uh, that's not true. I'm allowed two. (laughs) Molly Ostertag, uh, who wrote Owl, uh, Owl House also worked at the camp. I'm allowed two bragging moments. (laughs) Um, and, um, then, uh, at 18, I finally played D and D. I played one session of fourth edition and then I played Monster Hearts. And then I played mm-hmm. Apocalypse World, and then I read Chubo's Marvelous Wish Granting Engine, and everything kind of like steamrolled from there. Um, I published. I I like. I dabbled with publishing a little things a little bit. I published my first actual release in 2019. Uh, that was Sleep Away, uh, which is my queer horror RPG. Um, and from it was there, one of my like, favorite strings of words queer horror <laughs> yes thank you i'm i'm very proud of sleep away uh it 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 was uh i in the moment when it when it funded like like i i felt like i was like oh my god that's the biggest success i'll ever get and then it was like <laughs> okay well just just you wait um because then you know then wander home happened and then you know one thing led to another and here i am mm-hmm. kind of the the long and short of it um and and you, i mean you got a i believe you won an any for sleep away cam didn't you yeah, I did. Uh, Sleepaway won an any, um, and uh, it was yeah, and that was really cool. It was really nice to to like get that little recognition, especially because like for me, my RPGs like in a lot of ways got a little more silent. Like I'm only just publishing on Drive Through RPG. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of like got started through like the itch, you know, like the itchio boom, um, yeah. and like doing a lot of like weird work on there. Um, and so, you know, Sleepaway was like, you know, Sleepaway was, I think, the only game, if I remember correctly, Sleepaway was one of the very few games that kind of, uh, like, were, uh, were an Itch.io, like, were, like, kind of more exclusive to Itch.io that 
won an Emmy or, you know, was even nominated for an Emmy. Um, I'm a huge, I'm a huge proponent of, of Ichio. I mean, when I, mm-hmm. when I did my biggest RPG moments of, you know, of the, the decade and, you know, back mm-hmm. in, in 2020, we're getting ready for 2020. That was my number one RPG moment. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, it wasn't, um, the release of 5e it wasn't the release of new pathfinder it was the release mm-hmm. of itchio specifically yeah. because of games like sleep away and games mm-hmm. um i think that's uh, incredibly accurate out. yeah um so much I think Ichio, oh yeah for sure it really it really does an incredible job democratizing i think the 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 process of making an rpg and getting it out there and it mm-hmm. it, it does a good job of feeling like it allows you to like kind of stand kind of like i think that like when you look over at drive through rpg there's a feeling of like oh i could never put my games on there like i only just now put my games on drive through rpg and there was like a little voice in the back of my head that's like i don't want to do that like i I can't (laughs) do that or like it's not for me you know like i don't know and like but like itch.io has always felt like it's like oh you want to post a game the the upload a game button is like right next to like when you check your library to see what games you own right next to that is the upload a new game button mm-hmm. i upload ga- i i start to upload a game like accidentally frequently because <laughs> i'm like i'm like oh i need to go download that pdf and then i'm like oh wait hold on i'm, I'm tr- suddenly i'm posting a game like it makes it so easy and so friendly and so and then the moment you get it out there, there's a very good chance that people will notice it. Maybe you only get a sale or two, but that's exciting. And it doesn't yeah. really, I, 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 I agree with you. I think that itch.io, like, I'm not sure I could be designing RPGs right now without itch.io. I think that there's a lot of new designers, myself included, who owe a lot to itch.io in terms of like our ability to feel like when we create, we're existing in a community. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really cool. I really love it, Gio. Um, it's, I think we're definitely going to see as the people writing, uh, on itch.io, I think we're going to see a bit of a maturation as, as we, as that's more of an established thing. And as you know, mm-hmm. these continue to do well, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if they're going to necessarily jump. What'll be interesting is if how many, if, if anybody jumps to, starting to write with big, you know, with any of the big mm-hmm. companies and start, you know, which mm-hmm. obviously there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that. I'm not going to accuse that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a sellout. It's not mm-hmm. a thing, but yeah, of course. Um, not. Yeah. As mm-hmm. the design philosophy behind mm-hmm. itchio that you just talked about, yeah. as it filters into other games is going to be, I think, interesting. Mm-hmm. I think we're seeing that a little bit, like not, not with everyone, but I know, um, me and Jami, who kind of, I don't know, in, in my mind, when I think of like, oh, who are the big, you know, like, you know, Jami is another person who's who's really big kind of on the scene. And they're going to be releasing Apocalypse Keys um, very soon with Evil Hat, which, you know, like, oh, and it, yeah. to me, Evil Hat's like, you know, like mid, mid big. And like, I think, you know, like, I know, you know, I'm like, or like Orion worked for Wizards of the Coast, which, you know, didn't, didn't go well, but. No that that was you know certainly a moment when someone who you know in, in a large part you know like orion defined you know kind of itchio as a place where people felt okay doing that kind of work you know like, like i think that we do see like i think we're going to continue to see like as designers on itchio kind of use that as a way to like 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 workshop and develop and mm-hmm. then maybe maybe more folks will take kind of the path i did where i started my own 
publishing house. Um, maybe folks will end up writing for publishing houses of various sizes. Maybe people will get stable jobs working for kind of the larger, more established companies. But I think that we are absolutely going to see like people at a lot of different levels. I think, I think we're going to kind of see that, that design freedom and like that kind of crop of designers kind of push into everything the same way. I think like five or six years ago, we saw a lot of folks from the forge or like a lot of folks kind of, you know, like a lot of stuff happening on Google plus kind of mm-hmm. emanate into the marketing, into the, you know, the business world as well. It's, it's been, it's interesting. Cause I I'm coming into tabletop as a, as a writer um, of, of mm-hmm. non tabletop things though, mm-hmm. you know, working on trying to do tabletop things because um, it's mm-hmm, fun mm-hmm. crossing the streams like that. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But it really reminds me of a lot of the uh, revolutionary stuff I'm seeing in the writing world when it comes to mm-hmm. what people are doing with poetic forms and with poetry, with, with, with books and with zines. Mm-hmm. Uh, zines are making mm-hmm. a huge comeback with, yeah. with Gen, Gen Z is picking up zines and millennials are picking up zines. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's really great on itch, itch.io seeing mm-hmm. that philosophy of... yeah like the great things where it's just, okay, here's my RPG. It's mm-hmm. one page. You're, I think my favorite one that I found so far, cause I was looking around when mm-hmm. I was doing my romance list, romance mm-hmm. games list. I found one, it wasn't a romance game, but it was about uh, being role-playing a bunch of raccoons driving a car. Ha! Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Crash pandas. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That yeah, was yeah. like my favorite mm-hmm. thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, I adore that one. That one's so great. Um, I am also kind of horrified at the fact that I just immediately knew which game. We we, we don't got to get into that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that's it's it's so wonderful. And like, you go on itch.io, and it's it feels great to be like you're looking for a game, and you see like just like all right next to each other in a row. You see like all right, boom. There's Honey Heist. Mm-hmm. there's you know it's like all right you know like next to each other it's honey heist there's like a morkborg hack there's like you know a lyric game about like drinking tea and communing with your cat oh there's blades in the dark all right well next to that there's you know like you know there's like a there's like a one-page game about like being a lesbian working in a coffee shop or you know like, you yeah. just like it's like all kind of like it like it all seamlessly blends together in a way that like is exhilarating and it feels mm-hmm. so it feels so cool to like look at all just the great things people are doing. And like, even though like part of me kind of worries, like part of me is a little like, oh, is Itchio slowing down? Are there like fewer designers coming in? I think also there's a lot of folks who are, I think like there's not quite like the kind of constant stream of content that there was maybe in like 2019. Yeah. Um, like there's not like the, the constant, like, oh, new big release every single week on Itchio or like two or three at a time. But you still, you still go on there and you see like, great you know like there's lots of great games there's like you know there's new folks adding stuff there's new designers cropping up there's like it's really it's just really cool to like poke around on and you always find you always find a gem i remember i like was making a list of lyric it was like february of 2020 and i was making a list of lyric games that came out in february of 2020 that was like my rule was like i was just trying to find games that came out that month and I found some that I'd never heard of that I fell in love with that mm-hmm. were like, I was like, I'd never, I didn't know that this released. I'd never heard of the designer before I found them on Twitter and they had like a hundred followers. And I was like, I love this great work. <laughs> You've made yeah. this wonderful game. And on the other side of that, 
I think I definitely think once we're out of out of the dark time after we're out of COVID, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're gonna see people hopefully um I think we're gonna see a bit more of a surge back with with that. Yeah. Killed everyone's creativity, you know, being oh for even sure. If, even if uh, some people, of course, you know, already aren't super mobile or you know, but mm-hmm. the general everything it just it saps one's mental health. Yeah, it's just the the emotional state for sure. Um, especially since, and part of the thing that makes it Itchio fabulous in the same way that it's, again, it's the same groups. It's, it's, it's a real great space for queer, trans, non-binary mm-hmm. writers, mm-hmm. uh, designers to express themselves through, through games. Um, obviously we're kind of seeing, you know, the, the, it's, it's fantastic. The queers are taking over the tabletop scene at every <laughs> level. Um, mm-hmm. But I think Itchio is where we're seeing, I mean, just really great. I mean, some of it's just that creators are expressing that, you know, the sort of queering the tabletop space. Other people are directly mm-hmm. having their experience. Like I said, lesbian tabletop scene or, you know, mm-hmm. some interesting work with like gender identities mm-hmm. or things mm-hmm. like that. It's a great scene for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that, yeah, I think that's just, it's, it really, you know, like, and there's a lot of really great stuff coming out of that. Like a lot of my work is, is pretty heavy on that front. And a lot of other, like, I think frankly, wander home is probably my least queer thing I've ever written, um, <laughs> which is saying something. Cause it's still got some, you know, like fun little bits. Um, but like wander home, wander home is the only thing I've ever written where if you come away from it and you don't know I'm queer, I understand. You know what I mean? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like everything else I've written, it's like, I'm like bashing you over the head. I feel <laughs> like, and then wander home. It's like, okay, I guess I I get it. I get I get it yeah. if you if you, if you forget that I'm queer when you read it. But like, it's still you know. I, still- I don't think wander home's capable of bashing anyone over the head with anything. That's why it's beautiful. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> <laughs> I've got points to make. I'm just subtle. I'm quiet about it. Um, but sleepaway certainly uh, has a lot of stuff. And then some of my upcoming projects have have some pretty overt theming, which is important to me. You know, and like I think that. There's a lot of, I think part of what's great about Ichio is that like, I don't know, I, when I, I, I'm, I was setting stuff up on drive through RPG earlier this week. You know, I was doing the thing I mentioned earlier. Where I was like, let's try this out. And I just was really struck by the feeling of like setting up on drive through RPG requires you to like scroll through like, okay, well I, you know, scroll through all these lists of trad games. All right. My, you know, my game is not a savage world hack. It is not a fate hack. It is not a PBTA hack. It is, you know, like it is another system. Okay. And then it's like, all right, I'm not a slasher. I'm not a zombie game. I'm not, you know, like a wuxia game. I'm not. Yeah. A, if, and then at the bottom of it, it's like, are you LGBT? I'm like, they're like nestled in among like romantic <laughs> comedy. And I'm like, it just, it was, I was just like, this just like, I understand why queerness is so, omnipresent on itch.io i think partially because up until then there wasn't a space that felt actually like it was it it had room for queerness um yeah and like now finally now finally there's i think that you know there's a big push in that in rpgs and and it's a hobby and just it's the same thing when it comes to people of of color breaking into it Mm -hmm. Um, and and the international scene like rpg c and rpg latam yeah like people who and like you know like people who previously you know like who need to be able you know who who are trying to centralize their identities and their communities and you know create games that exist within those communities and identities exactly but there's still kind of it's just a lot of it especially the big ones and i want to ask about 
your you know sort of your choice when it comes to your taste in RPGs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I talk when I talk to uh, Graham uh, POC Gamer about mm-hmm. his contribution to Candlekeep Mysteries, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you saw the whole yes I, I, with yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a Gemini, so I I stay up on top of everything, even if I don't talk about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, well, it's hard to be in the tabletop scene and not be aware of drama because oh, it happens sure. every five seconds. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But one thing we talked about with him was sort of that decolonizing of games, and I think mm-hmm. yeah, um, it's again, it's the same. I look at everything through a you know literary mm-hmm. lens of you know sort of we've got. There's mm-hmm. a decolonization happening, and there's also a queering happening. Where there's mm-hmm. a and, and mm-hmm. like you said, Itchio is a great place for that. Yeah, and oftentimes the work is being done by those same folks, like you know, like Maria Misan, uh, Jami Kazumi. A lot of my dear friends do like, like you know, like when if you talked, if you ever talked to Jami about like Balak Bayan, it's you know, it is a queer game, and it is also a de- like it is also an anti-colonial game, and mm-hmm. those are that's like inescapable, you know, and the kind of the 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 structural components of the game in a way that you know i think is is really impressive like the way it's woven it's woven so fundamentally into the structure i'll definitely check that out you know it's yeah. it, with itch with itchio you know you can make a list mm-hmm. as long as your arm of things to check out because there's so much there oh for sure for um, sure when you so you you play a little bit of uh, of D D, but you def but you definitely sounds like you gravitated more towards this indie Mm-hmm. RPGs, and I'm wondering, and as far as you know, you don't really engage too much with the quote unquote mainstream RPG stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. wondering, you know, is, is there something in it? I mean, we might have talked about it kind of obliquely during just the last conversation, mm-hmm. last topic, mm-hmm. but um, is there something that you feel was, was sort of missing or something that you really connected to that wasn't offered by, you know, D&D? Yeah, um, I mean, I think that D and D, D and D, I I have a slightly more kind view of D and D than a lot of folks in indie RPGs, and mm-hmm. I think that it predominantly comes from the fact that D and D, when people talk about the text of D and D, I think that the I think that the analysis benefits from looking at D and D as a culture of play and looking at D and D, the like the lessons I learned from D and D design wise come more from watching how people play D and D and watching what people get out of D and D than mm-hmm. it does from reading the books, which I think are um, uh, not good. <laughs> um, but uh, I I learn a lot from watching people play D and D. Um, I I. I am not interested in D and think in a lot of the same way that I'm not interested in um, like law and order SVU, I guess, which is to say like, I am interested in why people enjoy it. I like to observe people enjoying it. I like to like think about what people get out of it or like Marvel movies. I don't like Marvel movies. I like to see people. I like to like learn why people enjoy Marvel movies. Um, yeah. That tells me a lot. Uh, but I don't like them because I would rather watch something that's good. Uh, and <laughs> D&D, uh, I have run D&D a fair bit. Um, and the game, the, the, the text of the game uh, is not good. The 
the game people play at the table is probably good. And that's what I mean is that when, when someone sits down to play D and D at the table, if I get like, like the GM, the DM is good. The DM is running a good game. I do not think that good game is reflected in the text. I don't, I think the game emerges from somewhere else. And that's really fascinating to me. Um, and so as a designer of games, I want to write games that I think are good. Um, and so that leads me to play games that I think are uh, good texts or I'm interested in games that are good texts. I don't even, I don't, yeah, I think, I think it is ultimately less, less even about like, uh, like D and D rejects me. Like I, I don't <laughs> care if D and D has space for me. If I wanted to play D and D, I would, it just, it, it, it doesn't captivate me in the same way that Marvel movies don't captivate me, which is that I, uh, don't like them. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't think I don't like them. Um, and I think that, you know, and from an analytical perspective, also, like, I don't have a lot of time to play games, honestly. <laughs> I, yeah. I I spend a lot of time playtesting and a lot. I still mean only like, you know, I don't know, five or six hours a week if I'm lucky. I don't actually. Yeah. And then, like, I, you know, if that's my time for playing and I need to spend that playtesting, I'm not playing that many other games. So, you know, I'm going to spend it. I'm going to spend that time wisely, you know? Totally. Totally understand that. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's a really good way to think about it when it comes. I mean, that's a good way to think about anything mm-hmm. that you don't like necessarily <laughs> is, you know, mm-hmm. you don't have to like something, but there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. other people liking that. Yeah. Thing. Oh yeah. For sure. I think <laughs> I have a lot of friends who like D and D. I say uh, that's such a funny way of putting it. Yeah. I have, I have, I have friends who like D and D I have, partaked in dnd i used to play it for many years occasionally <laughs> um i think it's really interesting i think that there's a lot to learn from dnd and i think that dismissing it out of hand i don't think is helpful um and i i discourage designers who uh throw sort of any knowledge they can glean from it out but ultimately my interest in it is intellectual and it's like study based you know yeah. um and then and then so you you worked you got sleep away and now you've got uh possum creek games and i've got possum creek games which has (laughs) um published three uh well you've published some you've published three games i believe Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. i know at least two i backed two of them on kickstarter so (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um and you you know wander home and sleep away were both yours and you also you published uh wickedness Mm -hmm. um and so what what is your something that you have really strongly with with Possum Creek I can tell is mm-hmm. what your goals are as a company what you mm-hmm. um you want your games to be like and I I guess I wonder if you could speak a little bit on what you're as as a company what you want Possum Creek to be doing within the space Yeah um so I've been thinking a lot about um uh, like I've been thinking a lot about different models of structuring publishing organizations. And I've had a lot of conversations with folks like Nem from Sandy Pug Games or like talking to like the folks over at Spearwitch or even like Evil Hat, kind of looking at the way different folks do it and trying to figure out like, how do I want to do this? Because there was a period of time where like, you know, we like as I was releasing Sleepaway, I was like, wow, it would be convenient to uh, 
have a business uh, so that uh, taxes would be easier for me to handle. And so I made myself a little business. And then when Wander Home happened, it would be like, oh, <laughs> having this be an actual business would be really <laughs> convenient for taxes. So let's set this up as an act, especially, you know, as I bring on, you know, Grubby, my business partner, who really, you know, handles a huge amount of the, the business side of it. Um, it was like, let's make this an actual thing. And I'm going to stop, you know, I'm, I'm going to do this properly. Um, but I've been learning a lot about thinking a lot about the different ways you can structure a publishing business. And I don't think there's any one that's perfect, but I think the one that I'm really striving for is I want to make uh, a space in which like creation can occur that like stands up for like what I believe is important, like kind of my ideals uh, and like, you know, like things that I think are really important going into it. But then also like, I want to make a space where um, we can prioritize like the game, the, the game book as a work of art, where we can really prioritize like high quality printing, high quality art, high quality graphic design. We can make sure we're paying everyone fairly. We can empower creators to do like kind of really incredible stuff. Uh, we've only published right now, you know, we've got, you know, we've got the, the Sleepway, Wanderhub by me. There's a couple other like zines by me floating around. Um, there's Wickedness, which is by M, uh, who is an old friend of both myself and Grubby. Uh, we have a few projects that we are plan we, we plan to be involved in, in one capacity or another, uh, that I'm not ready to announce those, but there's, <laughs> you know, we, we, there's other folks we plan on working with, um, but the core of it is like my ideal to me is very much like I don't want to be like a one person shop and I don't want to be like kind of like the lonely author kind of like, you know, the lonely author sequestered, you know, in the, in the high tower atop the mountain yeah. churning out little, 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 little bunny rabbit meadow games for everyone to consume. I want to, I want to create an environment in which creativity occurs. And part of what that means is, bring creating kind of almost like an extended web of like you know creators who we work with in one capacity or another who then we can connect to each other who can then kind of produce like kind of using it almost i guess like community is such a fraught word but thinking about communities and thinking yeah. about artistic spaces and you know those kind of environments is kind of really important to us at pcg I I think that's really well expressed in obviously in, in in the games, but also you've got you're you're opened up to you know third party work, but also you have um the, your Heath uh, mm-hmm. Heath Grant um for mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. people working in within uh within Wanderhome. like it's a really interesting uh, mm-hmm. sort of opportunity you have set up there. Yeah, the Hayes Grant rules. Uh, <laughs> getting to do a thing where we, <laughs> uh, getting to do a thing where we like pay people to make their own stuff within Wanderhome is an incredible opportunity. Um, and uh, we want to continue that going into like future Kickstarters, and it's a really amazing thing to kind of build like, be like we're not just trying to release wander home and put it out in the world we're trying to release wander home and then create a community of people who care about wander home and like encourage them to make things within wander home and then take the lessons from that and use that in their own artistic work for other stuff yeah like you know there are people who openly are like 
you know, hey, we're doing hate grant stuff because we need the first $500 for a Kickstarter and we're going to kickstart the rest of it. And it's like, hell yeah, kickstart the rest of it. <laughs> Make your own project, do your own thing. You know, like, like, like we want to, we don't want to be the, like the monopoly on, on creative expression. We want to give plant the seeds as much as possible and get as much as possible going on in every single way. That's, that's fantastic. You know, and it's something that really reflects the, you know, that those values you had and also, you know, the values that you've, you've see value in with, with itch.io and stuff. So, mm-hmm. but I want to talk about modern home itself. I want to finally get to talking about <laughs> modern home, yeah. which mm-hmm. I, um, you know, I backed um, and, you know, this was a great, I, I think it's always funny, you know, I, I wish I had, you know, I cover tabletop stuff for, for the fundamentals and, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to be, you know, doing this and I can't cover everything. <laughs> I'm only one person. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Wander Home was something that I really wanted to, you know, get attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, because of COVID and timing, it just mm-hmm. became me sort of signal boosting it because I really liked it on mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, you got a great response. Um, I think you, you know, from, from the tabletop community, not mm-hmm. just, just, you know, raw numbers on Kickstarter, but yeah, I mean, uh, Polygon did a, a piece on it. Um, yeah. Icebreaker did a piece on it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it shows up in a lot of places. You know, I guess what's it, what's it, what's it been like getting sort of the, the response you've been getting from, from people playing it uh, and giving you this coverage. Yeah. Um, overwhelming, <laughs> um, wonderful. It's, it's really cool. I think, um, the fact that Wanderhome has such crossover appeal, I think outside of the little niche that many people assume I, I am within, you know, the kind of like B.O.B. Itch.io, Buried Without Ceremony, you know, like the kind of like PBTA, like I guess like the the like the small creator niche. It's It's been really amazing seeing kind of the expanse outside of that as well, like both among folks who, you know, like the, the, the crit role community was kind of really drawn to Wander Home. A lot of, you know, like uh, a lot of, and then like a lot of folks outside of RPGs, like I was talking to uh to to one of uh my to one to one of my friends uh and uh he told me that one of like he was at he was in class and one of his friends showed him the 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 like like the, an art from Wander Home and was like isn't this art so cool without knowing like where it was from or anything or that he knew me or anything um it's been really incredible the reaction um uh i'm so thrilled that people like it um it's a little overwhelming i'm getting like 30 emails a day and uh (laughs) very bad at answering emails um but i think that yeah people really love it it really hit something in the zeitgeist at just the right time like i think there was a a desperate need for a very for 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 a, a game that was very forgiving to you Mm-hmm. Um, and was very like caring to you and compassionate to you. And like, you know, like I think the, the, the concept of, you know, a, a, like a game that's able to 
help you feel like it, you're okay and you know like all is forgiven and you can like that healing is possible i think was really uh needed <laughs> uh and is still needed yeah was that was that sort of your you know i'm wondering where it came from is that was that sort mm-hmm. of the seed of the game like wanting to make a game that has that that feeling that people are getting from it yeah, I wanted to make a game. I, I I actually started writing. I started writing the text of Wander Home, uh, at the start of April, um, in 2020. Like it was actually very fast. It all came together, um, and I started writing it because it was you know at the start of April. It was a couple of weeks into quarantine. I was um, miserable, um, mm-hmm. as many people are and were, um, and uh, I was. It was after a horrific night uh i had a really bad time um and i was it was the morning after and i was lying in the grass and i was looking out at the creek that's outside of my house and i was thinking about um what i was i was thinking about the land and i was thinking about like the idea of like you know the world we live in is hurt by capitalism i was thinking about what would it mean to uh exist in a world that can heal if like we cannot heal from trauma as it is occurring what does it mean for the world to heal like what what would a world where the trauma has ended and we can start healing what does that look like and i was also captivated i think kind of in like a weird metaphysical way because just i don't know this is how my brain works where i was just really fascinated with the way like the the land looks from the shore like if you're if you're when you're on a boat and you're looking out at the water the 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 trees and the hills look different and it kind of in, imagines a different world than the one you're currently in when you're on a boat looking at the water and i kind of wanted to make a game that had that space so there were like a lot of moving pieces and parts but the crux of it was very much like i want a game that says that healing is possible um i i love that uh the thing that really um, you know, hit me as I was reading through it is it definitely has that kind of uh, it, it. It's a very it's a very soft game, and I don't mean that in mm-hmm. as a that word mean can mean so many different things, especially in gaming spaces. Mm-hmm. But it's it's just it's it's cozy, um, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a pleasantness pleasantness to it, but it's not it's not like it's never really twee. It's a really fine balance that you strike in this. Yeah. yeah. It was really important for me. I think that if you don't, I think it's easy to assume wander home is twee. Um, and I understand that assumption. Um, but I think that actually reading the text and thinking about the world it is it create, makes it very clear that like I am invested in like, you know, actually, I think I think the best way I saw it put was, um, uh, I think it was actually Brennan on Twitter uh, said that, um, described it really well as like, in Frog and Toad or like in Wind in the Willows or like in any kind of those like mid 20th century children's books, the idea of like the 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 halcyon, the the meadow, you know, like the peaceful world uh, is one that's unending and timeless. There's this feeling of like, oh, Frog and Toad is kind of perpetually riding their bicycle, you know, Wind in the Willows, they're always sitting under the tree. Like there's a timelessness, there's an unendingness. Things don't change, but in Wander Home, there's an investment in change. There's this understanding that 
Um, the world was not always this way. People died to make the world good enough that we can be here and feel okay and feel happy. Uh, and that we have to be mindful because we grow ourselves and we change and we want to do what we can to make sure the world remains a kind place, even as we, you know, grow old and move through it. And Wander Home additionally says like, none of this lasts forever, right? The seasons change, the the way the seasons are changed, the places change with the seasons. And as you change with the seasons, eventually you leave. Like you cannot play the same character forever in Wanderhome. You've got to go someday. And I think that's really important is that it's, 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 it is pastoral. It is soft, but it's not, um, it, 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 it doesn't believe that utopia is like some kind of endless perfect thing that can, that like can exist outside of the historical conditions that lead us to strive for it. You know, it, it's, it's therapeutic in a way, in a, in a way that's sort of a realistic therapy where, mm-hmm. and I mean that sort of in a sense for, I think for people who play RPGs and people in mm-hmm. general mm-hmm. in, in the way that it, it has that sense that, you know, it's, it's addressing sort of emotional complexities and not making you like, face them but sort of gently reminding you of those things and again it's just Mm -hmm. it's nice one of my favorite things uh that recurs throughout the the way so in 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 wander home if you haven't read it uh the playbooks are the you know your versions of of classes um Mm -hmm. or just sort of who your character is because it's it's very minimal in a way um but when describing each of them they all have they all include you are alive as mm-hmm. as a part of their description and i just really really loved that i'm i'm so proud of that little moment it i think when people read wander home for the first time they expect that to be like a punchline with a payoff um like i got that comment a lot uh, especially when i first released wander home of people anticipating that you are alive, you are alive. They're expecting eventually a playbook that says you are dead. And I think that when people write write their own wander home material, that impulse of, of changing you are alive is very common. And I support people who do that. But my intention was that it is, it, it goes a little bit beyond like corporality, right? Like just because someone is a corpse doesn't like, you know, like someone's like, um, like, I don't know if you're, I don't know what kind of wander home game you're playing where you've ended up with a zombie somehow, but <laughs> sure, your character's still alive, I guess. You know, like yeah. it's like it's not a question of or you know, ghost maybe it's not a question of corporality, it's a question of agency and like kind of I I felt really important to me to have like like kind of like if if we understand the first kind of introductory sentences around a, a character class around a playbook to be um a a a, a like those first few sentences are kind of the grounding moment. They're kind of the, like the anchor point. Um, then uh, you are alive to me. was kind of the most important anchor. It was just, it was defining some that reminding you that you are alive and reminding you uh, of the nature of how you care for other people, um, which when people write, 
wander home playbooks oftentimes describing how that character cares can be really challenging and i remember one of the stretch goal writers actually uh started crying uh when i was talking to uh, him about his his project because um uh he was writing his playbook and he said he was i don't i don't know how this character would care and i was like yeah because that character is is you in a lot of ways and you don't know how you don't like you've got to <laughs> you've got to love yourself to write this playbook like you're writing mm-hmm. a playbook about a version of yourself that you don't like very much and you've got to love that part of you also in order to write this playbook um and that was important you know you are alive you know you are a person you deserve to be alive it's a sentiment that i think really resonates and i think it resonates with i th- i mean obviously it, it resonates a lot of of of, of queer people and um, related with a lot of you know non um, you know trans people, non cis people, but I think a lot of people felt that. I mean, just again, I think during the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, as you where you you know having wrote it during it and the reception of it all during during it, it just it was just nice to have that mm-hmm. and the different forms of caring. Like I love um, I love the way that the Guardian is written. Um, mm-hmm. as a playbook where it's a lot of it is very centered on it kind of it kind of puts those themes up front because uh it gives a sort of a there's a sort of person there's a child or the, that ward that the character has to mm-hmm. project that carrying on to but it lets them lets you think about who you are you know if you had a ward like that um mm-hmm. But then, you know, there's stuff like the, and then right after it is the moth tender, which is the same kind of, okay, so this person has this other, this external being who is, they're keeping, they're, they're in charge of, or they're thinking about, but they're not the same kind of thing. So it's a whole different mm-hmm. thing of thing, but it's all that caring. And that's mm-hmm. very interesting, the different facets of that. Yeah, absolutely. And a really big thing is like, it was really important to us that, um, uh, like, or just, you know, it was important to me as I was designing it that there's kind of this web of of interdependencies and intergenerational support that kind of emerges from the game, right? Like, I was talking to someone who was talking about how when they play D&D, they always get nervous having, like, kids in D&D because it's such a game, like, violence is so common and they don't yeah. want kids to get hurt. And Wander Home... Like it's kind of like a like like you can easily end up with a a a, a traveling group that's like <laughs> like fifty per- you just accidentally have just a bunch of kids running around because there's yeah. the playbook that's the kid there's the there's the guardian with their ward the moth tender you know one of the packages they can be delivering is like a child who needs a new home you know like a, t- a two ticky style there's like you know the the peddler can have an assistant who's a teenager like the shepherd has a baby. Like there's kind of all these characters that emerge and the way in which like these webs of intergenerational dependency emerge where it's like, you know, it's, it's about in a lot of ways, like, like, you know, a community is intergenerational that, you know, the, the young help take care of the old and the old help teach the young. And like, I think that, it's important, right? That that in a in a game about care, about caring for each other, about supporting each other, that there's kind of many such there's many of those relationships that kind of go in every which way. Yeah, 
yeah, that's if I was the aging, the time difference, the way that that changes over time, mm-hmm. and making it very you very friendly to everybody. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting. Like Dungeons and Dragons has a big push of you know making they've got like the whole line of stuff for kids getting into D and D, and there's a few games out there that are aimed at kids, like 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 Little Witches is one. Mm-hmm. Um, crafty games put out a couple that are family friendly but mm-hmm. all ages a proper all ages rpg is difficult um yeah one thing i like that i think plays into that and that's something you've talked about a little bit on your twitter because it's a very it's a very popular trend um and I'm, i say that with no judgment because it's just it's popular mm-hmm. and i'm fascinated by it it's this idea of a, a gmless uh rpg mm-hmm. um and you know, Wander Home. You have the option. You have two options. Mm-hmm. Um, was we was that? Did you did did you want to write it to be playable for for without a, a GM, without a guide, as the, mm-hmm. the game uses the word guide? Um, or did it kind of just work out that it could work that way? The game started GMless entirely. So it started without a guide, and as I was working on it, I realized. Um, that having a that having a gm like there there are plenty of worlds in which having that kind of support would be really beneficial and i was kind of getting a little frustrated with a couple of my peers who were loud you know who are who are maybe who are very erroneously insisting that uh gms are like you know somehow bad for the game and i was like all right well i want to write something that kind of uh i i want to write a game that views where, like, I think that one of the big kind of underlying design ethos of Wanderhome is that I don't know how to play it better than you do. That mm-hmm. you and I are kind of both equally invested in the act of figuring out this game. Uh, and that uh, I am not going to kind of make these kind of strong declarations when I don't necessarily know what's best for you. Yeah. Um, and making it clear that you can play this with or without a guide and you're still playing Wander Home, I think was really important to me. It also helps make it accessible to a lot of folks who aren't experienced with GMless play and who don't enjoy GMless play for one reason or another. So having having a guide, I think was a, was having the capacity for a guide was a good decision. But I like the fact that you can kind of go either way and the game works well and you can kind of mix it up. It, it kind of views the kind of role of GMing as like something that has a lot of flexibility to it, that there's going to be a lot of different ways of doing it. And there's a lot of different models that work for it. And I think that's very freeing. Um, and I think also, yeah, like, um, yeah, it was, it was, that was important. Uh, and it was just kind of like important to make sure that like, yeah, that, that, that the game kind of, yeah, that I don't necessarily know what's best for you. Um, and that any that fundamentally there are more ways to play Wander Home than I can conceptualize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure that I at the very least articulated that and also articulated um some of the varieties of play that I have witnessed in such a way that leaves it open for many more ways of playing Wander Home was really important to me. And it it, re- it reflects that sense that you mentioned of of you observing how people play like D D, how you mm-hmm. you enjoy watching how they play it because it's kind of the reality of any tabletop rpg is that mm-hmm. nobody is going to have the same game 
you know, mm-hmm. some games actively, you know, there's a sense with, you know, like D and D where they really are. Okay. We're going to try to get this as close to same between games as we can, you know, here's all the rules mm-hmm. are the same. It's very restricted. The world's going to be always the same, um, but it's never the same. You know, my, the way I mm-hmm. voice, uh, there's an MP, if there's an NPC in a game that I'm DMing, that NPC mm-hmm. is going to act different than in another game or how I describe mm-hmm. a town mm-hmm. is going to be different than in someone else. Even if it's the same book. And if yeah. in Wander Home, you just said, you know what? No, they're all different. And it's because of the people playing it. The The fact then the core of that, I think, is the way you talk about embodying the land. Mm-hmm. Having yeah. the person who is, whether they're a guide or you're doing the collaborative GM list thing where you have Mm -hmm. the land itself has character traits that you have to embody Mm -hmm. as a player. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's um, a really important thing to me. I think there's, there's a couple important things. I think one of them is, uh, yeah, I think that um, I love a lot of story games and I'm, I, I adore a lot of story games, but I think that a common weakness a lot of games from that kind of post-Forge PBTA world suffer from uh, is that uh, they they really think they know the one way to play this game. And if you read, like, like I, I was talking about this with a friend where it's like, when you watch people play D&D, and this is one of my favorite things about people playing D&D, is that there are always some number of people, there's some small minority of the folks who play D&D uh, who don't like playing uh, who don't who don't like talking and who just want to sit there and like draw and sit there and like maybe toss in a thing occasionally. Like they they care about their character an incredible deal. They care about the world. They're invested, but they don't like uh they, they don't they don't like kind of what it means to role play. And Power Valley Politics games do not have space for low engagement players. They don't have space for uh low energy that they assume investment and they assume like active force, which is why I think that kind of GM list is possible because GM list kind of requires everyone to be bringing like 80%. Um, But I really wanted to make a game that had space for uh, people who are sleepy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wanted to make sure that if, if you're really tired or if you just want to draw pictures and you don't want to talk to people, I want to make sure my game had room for you. Um, and I think that that was, uh, super important and also super important as I think you articulated, like kind of when looking at, you know, what does it mean to engage with the land? One of the big, another one of the big ethos of wander home is that like, there's no one who's more important than anyone else. You know, like, like when you are traveling, you are not like exploring or conquering a land, obviously, but you're moving through a world that is full of other people who are also alive. Um, and that the land is alive and that the game is not the story of individuals exerting power, but instead it is about the the web of care that exists between the players, the the character, the characters around the players, the PCs, with the land itself, with the seasons, and kind of understanding that much more holistically was really important. Um, and so, like, yeah, like like the land as a, a, f- a presence, the the various other characters as a presence. There's one part of the game that talks about problem solving and how uh, there's an instinct among folks who are very familiar with kind of more traditional RPGs that when their characters arrive somewhere new and that place has a problem, their impulse is to solve the problem. 
and wander home talks about the fact that you can't do that that's not how anything works if i go to if i go somewhere else if i travel to like my friend's house and there's a problem happening at my friend's house i'm not necessarily the person who can fix that i'm probably the least equipped person to solve that issue because I know nothing about what's going on. Uh, and also, uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on and I don't know how to fix it. Uh, <laughs> whereas my, you know, like it, like it is, and like the game is like, you probably cannot, when you arrive somewhere, if that place has an issue, you probably cannot fix it. That's probably not on you. Mm-hmm. The best you can do is like, listen and reflect and maybe offer tools and help if you have it, but you cannot arrive somewhere and anticipate your ability to solve it because you're not the most important person in the room. Um, and I think that that's very hard for people to kind of like that takes a moment for people to grasp, but I think it's really important. I think it's fascinating how, and I don't necessarily, you don't necessarily have to out any of your, not that you're necessarily hiding too much of it, but you know, all the Renaissance of within mm-hmm. itch.io and talking about their, you know, political games. It's in there. It's fascinating that one of the most anarchist games I've played is this one or that I've seen is this one. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that communalist sense of, of mm-hmm. respecting the land and working together and, um, having that, you know, and, and whether that's intentional mm-hmm. or not, or whether it's just an anti-capitalist mm-hmm. sense, sense that you've imbued in the game, um, mm-hmm. as you, you have in, in how you think about games in general, mm-hmm. um, but it's 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 just a really nice way. It's like you said, it's like you said earlier, where it's mm-hmm. you have points you're making. They're just uh, they're a little softer than maybe in other mm-hmm. games. <laughs> yeah, and it is, no, it is intentional. You're absolutely right. I I am glad it comes through. Honestly, I um uh I wrote the game. There's a lot of conversations went into the game uh, between um like incredibly smart friends of mine. I like there's kind of a lot of, of, I, I wander home is not decolonial. I'm white. I can't write a decolonial game, obviously. Um, however, wander home is informed via decolonial thinking. Like it is, it is informed by land back philosophy and indigenous rights philosophy. And like the conversations activists in those spaces are adjacent to those spaces who like, you know, when we talk about the land coming back as a settler in a, in an illegally colonized country or, you know, in a, in a colonized country, like I, I wander home is informed via those conversations. And also it's informed very oddly, perhaps oddly by like AA. <laughs> There's a lot of, um, I, I've, I, some of my dear friends are involved in the 12 step program and an AA. Um, and a lot of kind of the work of AA is kind of this, uh, subtly secretly very anti-capitalist or communalist uh anarchist models of organizing in which Mm -hmm. like it's not it's like AA is to me when I look at AA and NA and I I learn from it in the same way that I kind of like to look at things and learn from them uh AA uh is the largest scale uh anti-hierarchical structure in the world I Mm -hmm. think uh, it is an it is an incredibly elaborate, multi layered organization that uh, is non hierarchical at all. It it completely, it is in a very large part lacking hierarchy, and there's so much that can be learned from like 
that model and also why they do that, why it's really important that AA does that and why that went into Wander Home and kind of all those perspectives kind of ended up in the game also. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a really, it's doing so much and it's a beautiful game. Obviously, you know, we didn't get a chance to really dig into some the, <laughs> the, the Red Wall uh, influences, mm-hmm. which I think I've seen some people erroneously seem to think this is a Red Wall game. Um, mm-hmm. When uh, I think Red Wall itself falls into some of those things that you mentioned about the tweeness of some of those things. Oh, for sure. Red Wall, Red Wall somehow manages to be very twee and like very violent at the same time. It, it, yeah, yeah. Well, the, I mean, yeah, because you have like the hares who are just the most proper British, you know, very stuffy kind of British RAF pilot, mm-hmm. but also they're like murdering like there's huge swaths of rats and things you know at the same time yeah yeah like wanderhome <laughs> is trying to walk a tightrope and redwall just kicks one leg out one direction and one leg out the other and falls right down the middle like <laughs> i don't know if you're at all into board games have you ever played root uh i've i've been watching the uh the root rpg and i haven't played root yet but i've i've got an eye on it i've i've again it's one of those things i like to learn from root has that same kind of balance where it's got very cute or everything that the artist Kyle Farron does mm-hmm. is very cute, but it's very cute mm-hmm. woodland red wally kind of art, but it's about animals, you know, killing mm-hmm. each other. You know, one of the, one of the mm-hmm. pieces of art is this adorable bunny rabbit um, screaming with its eyes, huge wielding two hatchets, you know, just about to jump on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I, th- I think that, I think that uh, animals are, like when you when you have like animal people, you're kind of giving yourself a distance from the human body as a political site. Uh, and Wanderhome does that for one reason, which is that you know we we distancing yourself from the human body as a political site makes it easier to imagine a world in which violence is not the default because we exist in a world that is so fundamentally violent to the human body. But Root and Redwall and other stories like it use animal forms you know animal people uh as a you know you, the distance from the human body allows uh the violence to feel less real and to feel more like a metaphor yeah uh, yeah so again i could talk about this game because there's so much going on with it um mm-hmm. but uh, i think that's about that's about our time um mm-hmm. well, is there so you mentioned you have some projects that you have that under wraps right now, and you've mm-hmm. got. Um, but Wonder Home just came out. Wonder Home just came out. Yuzeba's Bed and Breakfast is my next big thing, and if you, uh, that'll be a, a slice of life episodic RPG about uh, a bed and breakfast run by a heartless witch and the people who inhabit it. It's going to be oh, really fantastic. cool. Uh, it's 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 a fair bit. It's a fair ways away, but um, I've been posting little snippets of it up on my Patreon. Uh, if you want to support that, um, patreon.com slash possum creek. Um, and also I post my game design thoughts, my uh lukewarm takes, my <laughs> little snippets of design and prose on my Twitter. Um, you can find if you I'm the only J Dragon. If you search up J Dragon, maybe there's like you'll find you'll you'll find me, I promise you. Yeah. <laughs> My Twitter's if you Google my name, the Twitter is my Twitter is the first thing that comes up. <laughs> yeah, so definitely check check I follow, you know, Jay's great and uh follow 
Jay's Twitter and Possum Creek's stuff. Um, I'll have links to that all down below as well as links to the games we discussed. So yeah, thank you again so much for, for coming on and talking about thank you so your journey much. and talking about Wanderhome. Yeah, thank you so much. This has been really wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Thanks again for listening to All Bark No Dice, the Vanity Metals Tabletop Talk Show. As always, we are fueled by Found Familiar Coffee Company. Go to Found Familiar, use the code FANDOM to get 15% off your entire order. And if you want, give us a little shout-out on iTunes or Podchase or wherever you're listening. Just a five-star review really helps a lot. Thank you so much, and happy rolling. Happy rolling.